Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Good morning, NCC. How y'all doing? Yeah, well, hey, my name is Spencer. Uh, I'm glad to get to bring the word to you guys this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you or your family, I would love that opportunity at the end of service. Uh, But this morning, we are continuing our series, To Whom It May Concern, and uh, excited about this series, and it's fun to look at the letters that are written in the Bible and to whom they belong to or who they were written for. And so this morning, we're actually going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. You can hold that spot. We'll be there in a second. Or if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the seat back in front of you. We're going to be on page, I believe it's 571, and you can turn there and hold that spot. Uh, And while you begin to turn there, I was looking through the book of Philippians this week and, uh, and really just kind of trying to figure out exactly what Paul was trying to say. Paul is the author of this book, and he's actually an author of almost, uh, I believe, 60 to 75 percent of the New Testament. He wrote lots of things in the Bible. And so uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, which I know all of you know where that is current day, right? Yeah, that's right. Macedonia. I heard that, right? Amen. Uh, It's Macedonia, which is in uh, the Middle East. And so Paul is writing to the church there. And it's not just any old random church that he's writing to. He's actually writing to a group of friends. If you look back in the history, uh, Paul and his friend Timothy actually helped plant and start the church in Philippi. So not only is this one of their their pastors and spiritual leaders, but it's also one of their friends, somebody they know well and somebody that they're excited to hear from. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. And so... um, uh, as I was reading through this, there was a couple different themes that I felt throughout this book uh, that, that it hit, one of them being that we're supposed to find joy in suffering. Paul obviously understands this as he's writing from prison, that he can still have joy, right? Uh, another thing that he, he hits in here is um, how we as believers are to be unified with Christ, Another great theme. Uh, But then I I got to chapter three, and that's where we'll be uh, studying at this morning. And I got there, and I began to see a different uh, bent towards what Paul was speaking. And he was talking about knowing Christ and being like him. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And if there was a a subtitle to our series, To Whom It May Concern, it would be uh, filtering. No, no, let's go with, uh, yeah, filtering through the garbage. How about that? That sound good? Y'all want to do that this morning? I assume you do. So we're going to be going through the garbage this morning and seeing what, what Paul was talking to the church of Philippi about. And as I was looking and thinking about garbage, which I don't do very often, surprisingly, uh, I remembered actually back to this past Easter. I don't know if you, anybody was here. We had a big event called The Hunt, and it's our Easter egg hunt for all the kids. It's a blast, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And after an event, when you have multiple hundreds of people, there's inevitably things that are left behind, Right. There's like uh, random like trash, and then every once in a while you'll find like a shirt, and you're like, how did somebody leave without a shirt? Uh, this year we found some shoes, 
and they were, they were old and they were beat up. And so uh, we waited for the rest of the event. We waited that next day and nobody claimed them. And so uh, they were pretty gross looking and looked like they may have been meant for the trash. But, uh, so that's where we threw them, right? But that next morning, Easter morning, I'm dressed in my nice Easter. You know, everybody likes to dress up for Easter. You got the nice stuff going on, bow tie and all that kind of stuff. We have a parent come in and says, hey, did you guys happen to find a pair of shoes yesterday? And I was like, oh, maybe. What do they look like? Please don't be those ones. Please don't, right? And, uh, and she's like, yeah, there were these white ones and they're, they're really, really messed up. And I was like, I don't know if we have them. And she, and she kind of interrupts me mid-sentence and goes, they're my sons. And I look down and he's barefoot. And she goes, those are the only shoes he has. And so I'm like, oh gosh. So I, I, in my full like Easter long sleeve shirt, bow tie, all this kind of stuff, I run out to the trash can and I begin to go through the multitudes of trash bag from a, a big event. And you can imagine how many trash bags and what all was in these trash bags. And so I'm like trying not to get dirty. And I'm like, Lord, please let it be on top. And like after the, you know, fourth or fifth bag, it's like, oh, I found them. And I was like, yes. And so I come running in and I was like, look, yeah, we had them back in the back. Here they are. We got them for you, right? And she was so overjoyed and so excited. And it it was just an awesome moment and kind of a realization of uh, some people's trash is another person's treasure, right? But uh, this morning, Paul begins to show us the difference between trash and treasure. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to start off in chapter 3 of Philippians. And if you don't know what's happening before this, Paul is talking to the church, warning them. Once again, as a friend, it's easy to look at another friend in the eyes and go, hey, dude, you're kind of on thin ice, right? You need to be careful. You're, you're probably going somewhere. You probably shouldn't be going. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, there's people around you that are going to lead you in the wrong direction if you're not careful right? There's people that think that there are certain ways to get into heaven and that it requires little bitty tasks of completions. And there's things like uh, back in those days, if you're not circumcised, man, you'll never make it into heaven. If you don't follow the pharisaical, yeah, that word, the Pharisees laws, then there's no way you're going to make it into heaven. So Paul begins to say, look, there's some things that you're hearing that may not be 100% accurate. And so Paul begins to say, hey, if there's anybody that's ever done the world's standards and rules well, Paul says, it's me. Like, I was the best at being in the world. I was the best Pharisee ever. I'm talking like every single rule they had, I followed. I was born into the right family. I had this status. I had all of these things going for me. I was even such a good Pharisee, I began to persecute or kill people against the religion that that they were, the, the Pharisees' beliefs. And so and so Paul's, Paul's in this mindset as we go into Philippians chapter number three, as we start in verse eight. So now that you have a little bit of that, let's read Philippians three, verse eight. Paul says, I, I used to be this way, but I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray real quick before we dive into this. 
God, I just pray right now as we look into your word and you begin to speak to us that you would open up our hearts and you would help us to hear what you have for your people today. Lord, help us not to be offended by the things that we may be doing wrong, but be open to changing to be more like you. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. So as we're jumping into this, I want you to do something that may be out of the ordinary or maybe you're used to it. In the seat back in front of you, there's a piece of paper that says notes. I want you to take some notes because there's going to be some stuff in here you're going to want to look back on later. And I'll also throw out some scripture that we won't read the full thing. And so uh, one of my good friends, it's a preacher, he says something that stuck with me. Note takers are history makers. And we want to make history for Christ and we want to make his name known. So get ready. We're going to dive in and go through this little passage that Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi. And so the first thing that I see as we talked about this theme that Paul is communicating to this church is this idea of of things being worthless compared to the things that are important, right? We talked about the garbage a second ago. Paul says this, he says, I consider those things that I used to do, do, the worldly things, worthless when compared, in verse 8, to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, I compare all of these things to the world, all these things that other people say are right or the things that would make me feel better, I consider them worthless like garbage compared to knowing Jesus. That's powerful. You need to underline that in your Bible, highlight it. Even if it's not your Bible, underline it in somebody else's. I don't know what you need to do. It's important that we realize what Paul is saying, that we get caught up lots of times in the things of this world and say, these are important. He says they are worthless garbage in comparison. If you're reading through uh, maybe some different versions in the Bible, you know, uh, the Bible in the seatbacks was the ESV. I read the NLT, the New Living Translation. There's all these different ones. Other words that are used to, to get across the original language for this idea of worthless is garbage, dung, vile, all of these different things that would say that this is something, obviously, not like an antique store where you're like, ooh, other person's trash is my treasure, right? No, this is like poop. Paul is talking about poop this morning. He's saying you do not want this stuff in comparison to what God has for you. Uh, I was reading a commentary and it said that in this light, this idea of, of worthless things and things being dung, that in such a light did the apostle Paul view everything that would engage his dependence on being justified. He considered anything that would make him feel more justified in what he was doing he would consider that dung. He would, anything that would stand in competition with Christ for his affection, he would consider dung. That's a bold statement right there because then you begin to go, anything that does not draw me closer to God is now trash. That's what Paul is saying. And, and I know in a world where we're, we're so easily uh, amused by the things of this world, by, by the things that we just enjoy, and not that they're wrong, but there are lines where Paul is saying, look, you're getting further away from God because you've got some of this in your life. You know, some of us would say, you know, I, I, I like the, the nice new car and I want that. And Paul would say, hey, that's a great thing and there's nothing wrong with a new car. But if that gets in the way of your affection towards Christ, then that's wrong. That's worthless. And so Paul's challenge to them, as you read there in verse 8 and 9, he goes, I discarded everything like that everything that was this worldly, worthless thing in comparison. And, and that's a challenge right there. I, there's, there's a couple things in my life I'm going, I'm not sure I want to discard that. That's probably the thing that God needs you to get rid of so you can get closer to him. Those things that we depend on, the things that, that make us feel like we're worth more or that we're doing some more. 
And, and we're gonna get into what he says about righteousness in a second, but, but what, God is, or what Paul is saying here about growing a relationship with God is that we've got to do it ourselves, that we've got to grow not just in the things that we do, but in the relationship with the one that we're supposed to know. And so uh, not just the tasks, not just the possessions, he talks about growing spiritually. And I love this, this, uh, this point right here. If you're not growing daily, you're dying gradually. This is what Paul is saying. You should have said, mm, come on, pastor, something like that. Preach it. You should be writing it out. I should see a lot more hand moving. If you're not growing daily closer to Christ, you're dying gradually. If you're not moving closer to him, then you're probably moving back, right? Uh, this is the same thing if you, are, if you like to work out, if you're trying to lose weight. You know if you stop, you're going to go backwards, right? If you start trying to gain muscle and you're doing good and all of a sudden you stop doing it, you stop gaining the muscle, you start gaining some other stuff that you don't want. So uh, this is what Paul's saying. You've got to grow this relationship. You've got to work it out. You've got to begin to do uh, what God is calling you to do, to press into him, not to be distracted by the things of this world. And so uh, just as we get into some more of this, we should probably realize why Paul is saying this. If you heard the very last verse that we read in verse 11, Paul says all of these things, even before that in verse 10, he talks, he wants to understand and know the mighty power of God. And in verse 11, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to get all of this garbage and trash out of my life so that one day I will be in eternity with God. So that when Jesus comes back, he'll take me with him. That should be a point where you're excited again. Come on, come on, you guys gotta, you gotta wake up. We wanna be in heaven with God someday. And he's saying, if you keep living like this, church in Philippi, you will not be going back with him. You've gotta get rid of the stuff that's in between you and God, that's separating that relationship with you and God. And so uh, in this, this, this point in, in the message to, Philippi, to the church in Philippi, Paul's going, hey, it's time to begin to work it out. It's time to begin to understand and know Jesus Christ, right? We gotta just know who he is. We got to begin that relationship. And if you're married in this room, you know that a relationship consists of two people, right? Yes, everybody shook their heads. Two people. Relationship consists of two people. And so Paul is saying, look, it's good. You've got to know God, but you don't just need to have the knowledge of him. You need to be known by him as well, right? You don't need to just know that there is a God that created stuff. He wants you to know about him, but he also wants you to believe in him, and so Paul is emphasizing this point of it's great to know, but if knowledge without action, it's useless. And so what does that mean? He, he begins to, to say, hey, you've got to begin to walk that out. Not just have the knowledge, but begin to use the knowledge. I, I remember a time when I was in college, I was working at a hotel for a valet company, um, which side note, side note, don't go into Nike asking for shoes for valet unless you pronunciate very well. They thought I said ballet and stared at me like a crazy person. I obviously do not have a ballet figure. Um, that's what he said, I guess. Uh, but no, I was valet parking and, and one day we're at a nice hotel in Dallas and this yellow Lamborghini Diablo pulls up. I'm talking, it was loud. You could hear it coming, right? It's like flying down, pulls in the parking lot. And let me just tell you something. If you don't know, I love cars. I do. It's like uh, God, my wife, cars is somewhere right there in three or four. Um, but I, I love cars. I love the knowledge of them. I like to look at them at the fair. It's the only reason I go is for the car show. And, uh, and so this Lamborghini pulls up and I can tell you just about everything about it. I'm going, oh yeah, that's 600 uh, rear wheel horsepower. You know, you got all these different things. And I'm like, oh yeah, those are the, the nice brakes. The, oh. And I'm just going on and on. And then they're like, cool, here's the keys. Hop in, take it. And I get in. And I'm like looking at the dash and I don't see anything that I recognize at all. 
I don't know if anybody's been in some of those fancier cars, but they do not look like your Toyota Corolla. Uh, and so it's like, where's the gear shift? I don't know where the gas is. Does this thing drive itself? And so it, it made me realize that just having the knowledge about something doesn't actually make you capable to use it, right? And God's saying, I want to be used in your life. I want you to walk in me, not just know about me. And so this relationship is knowing God and being known by God, that he's in our life, that he's making us uh, process what it is to know him and to know his voice in our life. And when we begin to do that, we realize that true knowledge should change our life. The true knowledge of God and, and who he is should begin to shape the way we talk, the way we act, the things we do, the people we hang out with, uh, the places that we go, that when we know God and we understand him, our life should look and be different. It shouldn't be like when, before when we didn't know God, right? It reminds me a lot of a couple different stories in the Bible that, that people maybe have known about God but didn't really live it out. Uh, there's, there's a story in the book of Acts. You don't have to flip there. You can write it down and go check it out later. It's a really good story. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 11, uh, about the seven sons of Sceva. Now, if that doesn't interest you enough, you should go read about it later. But uh, seven sons of Sceva, they're, they're around during the time when Jesus and, and the disciples are going about and they're healing people and they're casting out demons and they're doing all these incredible miracles. And so these guys go, hey, I've heard of that Jesus guy. Let's go cast out some demons, right? That sounds sweet. So they run up here and they're trying to cast this demon out and literally demon begins to talk to them and says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Oh man, if that doesn't scare you a little bit, it should. You know, like sometimes we know about stuff, but we don't know the actual person. We don't have that relationship with God like that. And that's a place that I never want to be caught going, okay, yeah, sorry, I'm going to run away now, pee in my pants. Uh, but that's, I'm assuming what they did because they knew about Jesus. They knew about the power that he had, but they didn't actually have it themselves, right? Another passage we see in Matthew chapter number seven, verse 21 uh, Jesus is actually talking, and he's talking about uh, in the future, not everyone, he's talking about whenever the resurrection comes and they come back to take the people away, that not everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Right? Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord! Because it's not about just saying the things, but it's about believing those things, believing in Jesus, having him in your life. He says, those people he will look at and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. It's not just about the knowledge, it's about how we use that knowledge. It's about living it out on a daily basis. It's about what we do with it, what we do when God speaks to us and begins to tell us to move and to obey. We've got to listen to him and begin to obey the things that he says. And so as we believe, as we listen, we begin to obey him. And this is where Paul gets a little bit even more serious because this is where lots of us mess up. Lots of us go, you know what, I, I believe and I'm obeying, and now that I'm just doing the things that Christians are supposed to do, then I'm good, right? I'm good. I'm righteous. I'm justified. Everything that I've ever done is good because now I go to church, and now I serve, and now I, I, I give the tithe, and I do all these things, and God says, it's not just about the doing. The doing is an obedience. Again, we just said it. When you truly believe and understand God, you're going to begin the, do, the doing, but if you're doing the doing without believing, without having that, then God's going, man, this you're just going through the motions, right? And so the last thing that Paul begins to talk about is this idea of righteousness. We see it in verse nine. It says this, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and be found with him. I know that through faith in Christ, uh, I, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. 
And so I was beginning to, to kind of chew on this, on this idea of how does this faith and righteousness work? And sometimes maybe you can take a note of that. Sometimes you read the Bible and you don't get it instantly. You got to chew on it a little bit. You got to try it out. You got to work on it so it can work in you. And so I began to look in there. I began to go, okay, God, what does that mean that, that this righteousness comes from the faith? And I, I'm a money person, money mindset. And so I begin to think the currency of righteousness is faith. The way that righteousness is paid for us is by believing in God and not by the things that we do, by what God has done for us. And I begin to put that into perspective that we're supposed to now believe in God so that he can justify us. Not that we begin to do so that we become justified, but that we believe in him, he makes us right. Does that make sense? He begins to pay that price. He's already paid that price and we have to now accept that and go, okay, God, I believe in you. Here's my faith, the substance of things hoped for, not the things seen. I believe in God. I believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for me. This is the faith that I walk in. This is the God I believe in. This is the person that I know and am known by. This is my Jesus and this is what Paul is calling the church to do. To have the knowledge to be found in him, this unity as we walk together with him, and then to believe in him in a way where we know it's not the things that we do, it's what he's already done for us. And as we begin to accept that, that he has justified us, right? Just as if we had never sinned, he's made us righteous, he's made us upright, giving us this moral compass that we now live out. And that's what God is calling us to do. Paul is very specific. He says that you can't pay for your salvation. There's nothing that you physically can do. He's saying that currency is just believing in me. I've paid for it. I've done it. Now it's time for you to believe it. And so one thing that we have trouble with being in the Bible Belt in Texas, where everybody grew up in churches, we have this idea of, okay, I believe it. I understand that I've got to have faith. But let me ask you, what is your faith in? We talked about it in first service that we don't want our faith to be in grandma's religion. We want a religion that we know, that we understand, that we comprehend. And so I don't, I, I want to challenge you that maybe some of you have grown up in church all your life, or maybe, you know, your mom or your dad uh, went to church and you learned some stuff from them. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want a personal relationship from somebody else to you. He wants it with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to take that knowledge. He wants you to begin to grasp it. He wants you to know why you believe and what you believe. Because it's in that, whenever we begin to understand that, when we begin to read the Bible, when we begin to get closer to God, that he begins to get closer to us. That our mind becomes more like his mind. That our words begin to sound more like his words. And he's saying, listen, I need you to learn what this relationship is, not what this religion is. Not just a, a punch clock, not just a checklist, not just things like that. This is a relationship. It's working. It's moving. It's active. This is what Paul is telling the church. He's saying there's people that go and just do what they're supposed to do, and there's people that believe in Jesus. And there's a difference. I don't want you just to be like the people that do the right thing, quote unquote. There's good people and there's God people, and you need to be with the God people. You may go to work with some of those people that you say, man, but they're, they're good people, right? Yeah, but if they don't know God, they're still going to die and go to hell and they need you in their life. Paul's saying, you've got to live this out. It starts with you. As I was praying about this message, God spoke a couple things to me specifically for the people here at NCC about what he's calling you to do. And, and the first thing the, the, 
the starting point, the foundation, where it all begins is knowing Jesus personally. And I would be remiss to, to look over that or to, to steal or rob somebody from the opportunity to do that this morning. So what I want to ask you to do, if you would just bow your heads for a second and close your eyes. Because there may be somebody in this room this morning that you would say, hey, these things sound great, but I don't actually know this Jesus, the one that God sent from heaven to save me, to die for my sins. I don't know this God that, that's supposed to be Lord of my life, the Savior, the one that knows the number of hairs on my head, that knows the thoughts in my mind, the one who has a purpose and a plan for me. And if that's you this morning and you don't have that relationship, you don't know God, but today you wanna know him, today you wanna begin that journey with him to begin to walk in relationship with him. If that's you this morning, I want you to take a step of faith and just raise your hand wherever you're at and I wanna pray with you this morning. Yep, I see the hand. Yeah. Once you've raised it up, you can put it right back down. Absolutely. Praise God. Anybody else? I don't want you to miss this opportunity. It's the greatest moment of your life, surrendering your life to Christ, saying, God, I am, everything in my life is garbage compared to you. Anybody else in here? All right. Then I want us to say a prayer together. I want everybody in the room to repeat after me, whether you're a believer, whether you've said it a million times or not. But we're going to say this prayer, so if you would, repeat it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Thank you for giving me new life. I surrender my will to you. I give you my entire life. Help me to live for you and put the rest in the garbage. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a round of applause. Man, so great. If you raise your hand this morning, uh, Pastor Aaron and myself will be in the back. We wanna talk to you about what that relationship looks like. So incredibly, so excited. For those of you in the room who have made that decision before, let me just remind you, that's what it's all about. And I hope you remember that time in your life. It's so important because it's that, that time, that moment when you say, I surrender to God, I give you my life. That's the beginning of the new, the new nature that God has put inside of you. That's the beginning of the relationship that changes the rest of your life. And for those of you in the room that have already done that, there's something for you this morning also. As I was praying, I feel like God spoke, spoke three things to me. Those three things he said, I, I want the people of NCC to know it, to believe it, and to live it. I want them to know who I am. I want them to know what it is to have a relationship with me. I want them to believe in that relationship so much that they begin to walk it out in their lives and they begin to live it everywhere they go. And I thought that was so powerful because there's so many people that know God that don't live it out. There's so many people that, that know of God and they don't believe what they actually know. And there's people that don't even know him. And he says, people of NCC, this is your charge. This is your charge to help people know, to help people believe and to help them live it out by your example. And so this morning, let me just challenge you. There's some people in this room I know because I've been in this place. There's people in this room that have gotten complacent. 
that Paul was speaking to you when he said, hey, you've got worthless garbage that you need to give up and surrender so you can grow closer to me. You've been complacent with going, hey, I changed my life. You know, I'm different than I was before. And he said, yeah, different's good. Surrendered is better. I'm ready for you to surrender all of it. Yeah, I know you like this little bit, but guess what? I need that too if I want all of you. If you're gonna give me everything you've got, you've gotta surrender it all. And he's saying, don't be okay with just being okay. There's a quote that I, I try to live my life by, and it's, it's this, if, if better is possible, then good is never good enough. And that's how we should live our life, going, God, if, if there's a closer place I can be with you, if I can spend more time in your word, if I can tell more people about you, then I wanna do that. That's who I wanna be. And so for those of you that are in the room and you're saying, you know what, I've, I've grown complacent. I've given a little, but God's saying I need to give the rest. We're gonna pray for you guys in just a second. And then for the rest of you that may be in here, maybe you're in a season of drought. I feel like that's the word God gave me, that, that there's a season of, of dryness. Maybe you've been a part of church and you've served and you've done these things and God's going, hey, listen, you're supposed to be overjoyed with this experience. You're supposed to be excited to grow and to know more about me. You're supposed to be loving this. And he's saying, maybe you've lost some of that excitement. Maybe you forgot that moment when you said, Jesus, come into my life. I'm ready to revive you. And he, he says this to me, how are you growing closer to me? Because it's easy to come to church on Sunday and then go home and be like, okay, hopefully I'll be good for the rest of the week, right? I got a little bit of Jesus, so now I'm refueled. But guess what? Sometimes we run out of Jesus on Monday because of the way our kids are acting. Sometimes we get to work on Tuesday and we're tired of our boss and we're going, I need some more of Jesus. And sometimes we don't refill until we come back on Sunday and God says, guess what? You're dry because you stopped feeding yourself. He's, he's telling you and he's challenging you today that it's time to get in the word. It's time to, to get in a small group that challenges you and, and, and gets you excited about life again. It's time to begin to live it out in a way that you haven't lived it out before. And we've talked about it at NCC for multiple months now that your growth is your responsibility. So you got a Nike, you just gotta do it. You gotta begin to work it out. You gotta begin to live it out. You gotta be around people that are gonna encourage you, lift you up and challenge you.